Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of This Is Six. Hey, y'all. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, hey ladies. We arches. Wow. Happy New Year. Well, first of all, happy holidays. Like, right, right. All of that. We did take a I mean, break. It was okay. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Okay. Kwanzaa, all of that. Oh, Hanukkah, whatever y'all celebrate, all of that. You know, I always think it's a good idea to take a break during the holidays because I feel like I cuss too much on this. And I feel like saying that around Jesus' birthday just makes me feel a little weak. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I do heathenistic. I just, I don't know. I feel like it's it's a good, it's a good thing to take a break. But welcome, welcome back. We missed y'all. And we did. We did. So, so many people reach out, like, what's going on with this is sex? So here we go. You know what? And people saying people have reached out to me like, um, are y'all coming back? And I'm like, we are, we are, we just took a break. Dang. It's so good to be missed because it's like, wow, I know we have like our loyal 10 people, but then when people are like, you know, when y'all coming back, when y'all coming back, I'm like, okay, wait, they really have been checking us out and like want more. I'm like, okay, all right. I will, I will say people have I had a couple of people say, so no, but seriously, like when are when when is it when is it gonna drop? Are you gonna give us a because I want to listen to it. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. well we're here. So yay. Asking, you shall receive. We're granting we wishes. Yeah. And we're going to start off, we're actually going to start off this year really, really good. Um, this is a topic that I think me, myself and Valen, we, you know, we talk about a lot, but Dr. J knows plenty as well. Dr. J is all ears on this one. So I want to talk about libido. Ooh. Because so y'all know I teach a class on libido. Um, Valen just had a workshop talking mm-hmm. about libido. Woo woo! Right, and I used to have one. And, and, oh, and um. Experience. Oh wait, I'm like wait a workshop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'll just I'll, I'm gonna just give y'all a disclaimer. Um, I have uh, we have a special guest today. Um, she doesn't speak English, but she does speak. Her name's Reese. Hey. She's 16 months old. You okay. And on cue, honey, she's introducing herself. Tell the people. Oh, now you want to be quiet. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so just in, in coming off of like teaching classes and then Valen's workshop, I just thought we should talk about libido. Like, what is it? What does it mean? Are there differences between men and women? Um, how do you know when something's wrong with it? Or Dr. J, when it's missing, you know? Right. Like... <laughs> We're going to find it in 2022. Well, I mean, everybody needs to find it. Everybody needs to find it. At least that's what I like to think. But so, Valen, especially because you just had a workshop on this, you can can educate us. What what is libido? Like, what, what does it mean? Okay. All right. Libido is um sexual desire basically um and it's different from arousal which uh, is more physical so libido is the desire to have sex or engage in sexual activity it's more mental i tend to think of libido as like you know it, it it's that that pull like is this something that I want to do whereas arousal is like it's just a physical physiological that's how you put your situation. yeah right I think the same thing like when I'm explaining it to patients the the, the desire or libido is is your willingness to engage in sex the the 
fantasies, the erotic thoughts that, ooh, that guy's mm-hmm. hot, I can bone him tomorrow. Okay. Uh, and the arousal is all the physical stuff that goes with it, the heart racing, the, sh- the, the shortness of breath, the clenching of the muscles, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. If you get that, if you get that. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you get that. So then if, so, so then everybody has it, right? Because I often get the question, it, how do I know if mine's too low or too high? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I think everybody has some sort of desire, but whether it's too low or too high, it, you know, it depends on the person. Everybody's individual. I like to think of it like skin color. Everybody's mm-hmm. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, that's a good way to think of it. Yeah. And it's definitely, everybody is different. Everybody is definitely different because, and, and the thing that I talked about a lot this weekend was that it changes. Um, Like oh, Dr. J is trying to find hers. That means she had it at one point in time and disappeared. You know, it's like <laughs> my favorite wallet. I don't know where, I know I have it somewhere. I don't know where it's at. But I miss it and I look for it sometimes, sometimes, but yeah, everybody, you know, the, the fluctuation is normal with life. You know, all of us, like I have said several times before, every therapy session I have had since March 13th, 2020, I'm like, we all are navigating a pandemic. So like, even if you have nothing else, like if your life is picture perfect, we all have that, but stuff like stress. Pregnancy, mm-hmm. life events, work, child care, childbearing, chronic health issues. Medications um, are a big one. Medications, exactly. A lot of things can um, affect your libido. And so I'm sure you probably get women coming in often asking about, um, you know, why, why the ears change and is it broken? But oh, and one thing too I wanted to say before I forget is, like some people it changes and it's not problematic like it's only problematic if it's problematic for you exactly. right? you know like you know some people might theirs might be missing but if you are abstinent or celibate you might not you might just have low arousal low I mean low desire because you're that's just not something that is prioritized for you mm-hmm. so it because it's not distressing it's not an issue right. yeah but for no <laughs> The same I think it's a hard thing for a lot of people to understand, at least when they, um, when people come to me and say, Hey, I have a desire issue. I want to fix it. Um, and oftentimes you'll, you'll talk to them and you'll find out there are a whole bunch of things that can impact your libido and people don't connect. the. Yeah. Like that. People don't connect the dots. And so often I tell people, you know, when when we think about desire, it is perfectly normal for you to have low desire. Let's say, for example, after having a baby, you have a newborn, your desire naturally goes down because you are taking care of a human being. Right. And we normalize that. Right. Yeah. We normalize that. We go, oh yeah, that's normal. But we don't normalize it after a divorce. We don't normalize it after a traumatic event. We don't normalize it when you just have other stuff on your plate. And I, I, I try to tell people like what's going on in your life because that's probably impacting your libido um mm-hmm. and the fact that we've been in a pandemic for two years and I don't know about y'all but I just I don't I don't see an end I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet I don't see we it. it we got another year I don't see it yeah, I'm so, not seeing it either yeah and so and like you were saying with with that comes a whole host of um, mental health concerns that are showing up more often. And that can also negatively impact libido. So there's just so many things. There are so many things. And so that's what makes it kind of hard to, 
pinpoint what is the exact thing. There's very few, I think, individuals that walk around and it's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, it's that darn boyfriend. (laughs) It's usually not. For most people, it's usually a combination of things that are impacting their desire. So when you, both of you, when you all talk to women in particular, um, and we're not leaving the men out, but just for this particular question, what are some things that you share with women that they can do to acknowledge the changes, but also to self-reflect on how they can address those changes internally or externally? I, tell, I like to tell people that having fluctuations in your desire is normal. And there are many reasons for that. Kind of like we talked about childbirth, menopause, um, traumatic events, you know, big changes in life circumstances, the pandemic. Um, and so that and number stick, one. Stick a pin in that number one, because I think, at least from my perspective, that is probably, I mean, that's the bulk of talking to women because so many of us haven't had, you know, like our sexualities and bodies validated in a way that things are normal. It's like, if you don't want to get it popping all the time, then something is wrong, you know? And it's just like, yeah, no, like the fluctuation is normal. Like I probably said that 10 times this weekend. So, yeah. yeah. And, and then, and, and with the those fluctuations that are normal, understand that there are normal things that happen that that also cause those fluctuations, like your age, like your hormones, like things that are, that are going to naturally occur that are going to, yes, that are going to happen that are also normal. Um, and usually once we have that discussion, depending on how they're feeling, then we start talking about what are things they can do to help because there, there's certain things, right. That at least for me, a lot of people come, what can I, what medication can I take? What pill can I take? What cream can I use? And you don't prescribe them Viagra for women. Um, so Cause I saw some stuff at the gas station, uh, and it, you know, it's like for women, like you know, I mean, it's like right there with the condoms and the chapstick. The fact that it's at a gas station <laughs> is really funny. Actually, I mean, but seriously, people will tell me like, "Oh, girl, you know, get you a yoni steam, yeah. get you one of those little pills from the gas station, girl. It's gonna have you super wet. You're gonna be wanting to do it all the time." And I'm like, "Oh, really? Hmm." And we find medication from when I talk to patients. I, I I try to figure out what do we think is actually contributing to their low desire? Mm-hmm. Is it their relationship? Is it stress? Is it hormones? Is it whatever? Right. And then we tackle those things. And, and often what I find is it's not anything medical or anatomic, right? It's these other things that are contributing. And so there isn't going to be a pill that's going to take away your stress. There isn't right. going to be a pill that's going to, you know, make you like your boyfriend that you hate. There isn't going to be a pill that's going to make your husband do the things to you that you want him to do, even though he doesn't want to do that because that's one of his hard nose. You know what I mean? Like, right. so making sure that before you start talking about what you can do to help, you know, what's contributing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of people, it's not, one thing and it's not one thing that's easily fixable mm-hmm. uh, I get questions all the time oh can I have like can I use Viagra can I use screen cream can I whatever and you can but that's not going to fix your relationship that's not going to fix the trauma that you had factors yeah that's not going to that's not going to fix the trauma that you had in your childhood that's fucking up your you know 
Yeah, you can rub that cannabis oil on your clit all you want to. All you want. And you know what's going to happen? Your clitoris is going to be huge and ready to go. And your brain is still going to be like, and no. Uh, nothing. Not tonight. Not tonight. Not tonight. Um, so sometimes I think because we're in that, we're in that, that, that day and age where everybody wants a pill to fix something. Uh-huh. Like, isn't, isn't there something you can do? And it's, yeah, but just like with like weight and it's diet and exercise, with, with libido, a lot of it has to do with effort um, and then dealing with the shit that a lot of people don't want to deal with. They don't want to, they don't want to talk about their fucked up relationship. They don't want to talk about the trauma they had in their childhood. They don't want to talk about how they actually are completely okay with having sex once a month, but their partner is not. And that's the problem. They don't want to talk okay. about it. Yeah. And we call it desire discrepancy or mismatch desire. Yeah. And that's common too, because if you, if, if we normalize the fact that libidos will fluctuate for everybody throughout their lifetime it makes sense that if you're in a relationship if your libido fluctuates your partners will so at some point in time it might be that you know even if you know in the beginning both of y'all that's all you want to do all day all the time or on your honeymoon and Mm -hmm. over time you know it's not as much but you know that's a conversation because some people are like okay you know I know there might have been a time in my life where I'm like look if you can't you can't meet the mark honey then you're cut okay you are no longer in the run this part of America's next time. They off the team. Come on, play boy. Come on. You know what I'm saying? But now it's like for me, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm tired. I'm tired dealing with people's problems all day. Like it's just not on my priority list where it used to be. But yeah, I think you know the things that I prescribe or talk to people about a lot are like masturbation and I had the ladies cracking up this weekend because I'm like you know as a therapist I mean even before I was a therapist though <laughs> I will prescribe masturbation for anybody I mean you having sleep issues girl masturbate you know like oh you know like you're not getting the sex you want why don't you masturbate you know like oh you're focus on the work at hand in school Masturbate. Off real quick. And, and, and some people are like, oh, you know, you just got your mind in the gutter. Like, what this, how yeah, will masturbation? To masturbation. Come on now, there yeah. are health benefits. And that's what I'm saying. Come on now, release your happy hormones. Like, I need to have one of those. Like, I'm not a TikToker, but I need somewhere like everything's like masturbate, masturbate, you know? <laughs> because, because seriously, like, you know, and it's, it's so layered because for women, most of us have what we call responsive desire. So, you know, whereas a lot of guys more often will have spontaneous arousal. So they just will, you know, they can just, the wind might blow and then they might get an erection and and be ready to go. And for us, you know, I talk about the dual control model a lot. So, you know, for us, we we have some things that are accelerators and we have things that are brakes. A lot of times we're always thinking about, you know, like what's turning this on? So I'm a, you know, have my, I got my sexy playlist, my lingerie, you know, got my perfume, candles, got the mood right. We always think about the turn ons, but we don't think about those things that turn us off. And I shared this in one of my group chats, but I'm like, you know, I had my vibrator. <laughs> I need to get better at making up examples where I'm talking about like a client or somebody, but, <laughs> but I was going. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so I had my vibrator and I just was like, I just put, you know, I, three is my favorite setting, so I'm on three and I'm just laying in the bed like, 
this this shit must be broke like not the plus one but me but I'm like it's just and it's like nothing happening but you know I have the my tv is on SVU so Liv is in the morgue looking at a dead body (laughs) you know what I'm saying it's like even for myself creating the environment even for myself I'm just giving it to me any kind of way you know like I'm like you sitting there watching first 48 trying to get one and that's what i'm saying you have to it's very contextual for us so i'm like yeah like i wouldn't i wouldn't be having partnered relations with with i mean well i might but it definitely would be a different a different level of a barrier there but you know those things that turn us off you know like no i remember um you know my ex he didn't like seafood so anytime and i love seafood you know i'm from the gulf coast i would get some crawfish crab legs shrimp salmon i love seafood and every time I don't want to smell it. I don't want to be. And, able to and that's what I'm saying. So every time, you know, I had, I, when I had crab legs, I just knew that week, the whole week was out. <laughs> the whole week is out, bro. It's like, it stay with you a little bit. The whole, the whole week is out. And it was just like, damn, you know, like it's Thursday. That was Sunday evening. Like you could, but you know, recognizing that some things get us in the mood and some things take us out the mood. So, you know, yes, like trauma and stress and all that definitely play a role, but some things are really just like learning our bodies, learning Mm -hmm. our partners, and then actually having a conversation. Like in my workshop, um, we, we were talking about um, pain and we were talking about, um, cause I, I had a list and I got the list straight from ACOG, um, mm-hmm. the American college of obstetricians and gynecologists. And they had a list of like, um, factors that contribute to, um, low desire. And, um, and so I don't think they had pain on the list. I have to find it. But what I did was basically I had the list and then I asked the ladies what's not on here that we are like, you know, that you have, experienced or heard about or you know that you think should be on there and so pain I don't think it was explicitly on there like it was like you know chronic health issues and stuff like that that might contribute but I was just saying how pain is very common um sexual pain is very common in general but especially for black women and then I was saying how you know most of us well we are um acculturated yeah but and then the thing is a lot of the sexual health issues or reproductive health issues like endometriosis polycystic ovarian syndrome fibroids like those things disproportionately affect us but you get in these messages like painful sex is good sex but you know you're having we we are cultivated to think you know we want that man or that we want that pussy to be beat up and that's how we know it was good well and exactly but if it's being beat up and you really are like you know squeamish like dang every time that thing pull up in the garage (laughs) and this little garage it's uncomfortable then you begin to have an aversion to it and that aversion becomes lower libido you know lower desire and you're wondering what's wrong but it's like let's normalize even with all the other stuff of like just listening to our bodies like bruh that is uncomfortable like it's dry as hell you know we talk about in position i'll give i'll give a really good example yeah so my uterus to tilts to the back there are just certain positions that are just you know that that I experience discomfort that are very uncomfortable for me um and a lot of times I'm just not in the mood to to embrace that feeling um but women don't often think about like how things are organized internally that could be 
causing them that discomfort and you know have a very good relationship um with my gynecologist I've been with him for 20 plus years you know and there's nothing that's off limits or barriers that we talk about but you know those are the type of questions that you need to ask someone like Dr. Clay like why does it hurt when I do this but it doesn't when I do that or why do I feel this negative sensation when I'm in this position versus other positions but we, you know, we do not normalize the fact that you are experiencing these things and that you really should have a conversation about it. Yeah. Like it's, it's one thing that you want to have some aggressive sexual encounters, but every time you have mm-hmm. a sexual encounter, you should not be feeling pain that's not um, encouraged. Right. And, and I don't think... <laughs> I think that's it's a twofold problem, right? I think that we don't. You're welcome. I think that number one, we don't, as medical professionals, we don't make it the most comfortable. Um, we don't we don't give the space and opportunity for women or people to say, "Hey, sex hurts." Is it supposed to? We we don't we often don't give people the space and opportunity to talk about their sexual lives. Um, and what they do sexually and if they have any sexual concerns. So part of it is, as the medical professional being open and honest enough to ask that question during annual exams. But the other part of that is then also being open and honest and saying, hey, this actually hurts all the time. And mm-hmm. is that supposed to happen? Um, I do think that, especially for Black women, we, um, we normalize having pain during sex. We normalize aggressive sex. We normalize the type of sex that isn't, necessarily always good for us right um and then we also normalize shutting the fuck up about it <laughs> and not <laughs> and you know what and that's such a good point because <laughs> yeah it that is so nuanced because definitely i mean like why would you i mean like that that was a good time girl you complaining what right exactly just like right. no that wasn't a good time like i didn't i did not leave feeling like i enjoyed that intimate moment right i left felt feeling like I was beat up yeah and that's not what I was going into that intimate moment wanting or needing right and then like Valen was saying what happens is that that continues to happen right if every time you have sex it's painful or uncomfortable or not enjoyable you become averse you decide your brain decides that it's going to protect itself and say bitch we're not gonna do this no more (laughs) we're not then you start you know clenching up your muscles you start um not lubricating naturally and that makes the experience even more uncomfortable and more painful and then you end up you know four years showing up in my office like oh I can't be penetrated because it hurts. And you have to go all the way back and say, when did this start happening? And it's because you weren't getting the type of sex that you wanted, or you weren't being, you weren't communicating what you needed or what was comfortable or not because of fibroids or your tilted uterus or your endo or whatever, whatever it was contributing. Um, and then we end up here, you know, we end up here in a sex therapist office trying to figure out what the fuck happened Mm -hmm. and why you can't have sex with your partner that you actually want to. Um, and unfortunately, I, I see it a lot more in Black women just because we don't talk about it. We don't normalize it. And, you know, we wait until we have a significant problem. Um, so a lot and of my women are it to um, not put our needs and desires as a priority 
and that you know you're the strong black woman so you just have to accept it whatever the it is how it comes at you yeah definitely that's so big like prioritizing our own pleasure because you know I mean sex is not in general for us that's not the messaging that we get you know like it is you know making sure your man has a good time you know Mm -hmm. even the marketing you know like please your partner it's never like do this or have a good time for yourself and and you hit on something um you guys just hit on something that made me think about um the workshop and what we were talking about um in terms of um what we could do right because I was I put treatment into these three categories like in social work we always talk about the biopsychosocial so you know biological psychological social and so in the social part we talked about literally talking about it because there are so many things and we talked about it I mean which is the reason for this is sex but you know we talked about before the things that we don't talk about and how the silence just perpetuates a lot of things yeah for us and so you know just like with miscarriages and even fibroids and stuff like that like you know you might not even know that like this is like runs in your family until like you might happen to have a miscarriage and it's like oh you know what uh, so-and-so had three of them you know and it's like oh dang like oh okay you know but to me yeah and it's it's only a writer it's a rite of passage that we tend to to engage in like in the context of something negative as opposed to you know like let's talk about this and like oh did you know that you know and and even just knowing like the change is normal that for women a lot of us is going we're going to have that responsive desire meaning that you know we're going to need to have some stimulation and to be aroused as opposed to thinking about being thinking about engaging in sex and being aroused from that but yeah, I mean, there's so so much power in just literally having conversations. Yep. yep. And there and there are yes. and there are treatments specifically for low desire in women. And there are there are actually more out there than I think a lot of people realize. Um, but again, in a lot of situations, there isn't um, there isn't gonna be a one pill that fixes all. Sexuality in general is a very complex issue. And sex concerns usually are very complex. And so usually when I start talking about treatment, I always started off with, okay, so this is what we have and this is how it's going to be able to fix certain things. Don't expect, don't expect you at 60, right? 60 or 65 to be humping like you're 20 and 25 because you took this pill today. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to understand that there are, there are, there are boundaries and there are limitations to what we can do in medicine as well. Especially when you're getting, when you're talking about a concern that includes both your brain and your genitals. Right. Yeah. You but can't, I think in, you know. In fairness and to have a balanced conversation, I think we focused a lot on the negative aspects of a low libido, uh-huh. but really didn't highlight the opposing views of having a healthy or what is considered a healthy libido. Hmm. Well, I think I, I think 
a healthy libido rate is any is whatever the whatever is normal for you, right? There's not there's no normal and acceptable. Right. Yes. Normal and acceptable yeah. because there isn't a, a bar like, okay, you've got to be on the scale of one to 10. Everybody's supposed to be at a seven. If you're at a four, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody has an individual amount of desire that they find acceptable for them. Right. Um, and, and that can fluctuate like we've talked about. And that is also okay. Yeah. Um, and like Valen said, it's not a problem unless it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, and that's good. And that goes also for people who have a really, really high libido too. Cause what happens is you get into the, um, just, uh, the discrepancy mismatch with a partner, you know, if you are okay, having sex every single day and your partner is okay, having sex once a month, that's a problem. Um, even though both of your desires are considered normal for you, you've got to work through that and kind of, and decide what you want to do with that. But people who have high, who have high libidos too, also have, can also have concerns and issues because they're trying to find somebody who can match their, you know, match their flow. It can be distracting. Yes. Yeah, it certainly can. Yep. And, and especially if that's the way you deal with stress, because I feel like the patients that I have that have high libido, that is their coping mechanism. Like I have stress yeah. at work, I need to nut so I can go to bed. Yep. Um, and then you have people who are like, I just want a glass of wine yep. and for you to shut the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to do stress. <laughs> And how, how do you rectify that if you're in a relationship with somebody? It's, it can be hard both ways, not Goes just back to what Valen and I said earlier is the communication and having that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, especially libido in the context of a relationship, you have to have flexibility because just like Dr. Clay said, yes, it's, it's a desire to engage in activity, but it's also, you know, fantasies, you know, thoughts, all of that stuff. So if you think about libido strictly as like, whether or not you have, you know, penetrative vaginal intercourse and uh, frequency, it's always going to be problematic, especially if you have mismatched desires. But, you know, for like, for me, my love language is physical touch. Now, Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, I think the pandemic has just, (laughs) I'm flatlined, but a couple of years, like for me, I need to feel close to feel like you value me, like you, mm-hmm. you know, want me, desire me, like me. And you can tell, like, you don't have to tell me, like, I'm the shit, because I know I'm the shit. Like, I know I'm a bomb ass clinician. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, you know, I know I'm a good sister, a good friend. Like, you don't have to, I don't need your words, boo boo. I don't need that. Right. So with me, it's like, you know, especially now, I, I like, I literally daydream about slow dancing. <laughs> it's so, mm-hmm. it's so cheesy. So funny. That is so funny though, because I think there's so many things that before the pandemic, we kind of just didn't even think about that. Now we just kind of sit back and reflect about like my love languages are quality time and physical touch. Mm -hmm. Like, so the idea of going somewhere and having a nice dinner and, you know, slow dancing or taking a walk or whatever, hanging out in a nice park, all of that, I just like, sign me up. And that's what I'm saying. I, I read a study and I wish I knew where to quote it from, but I think it was like England somewhere in 2015, but they basically 
survey like 200 couples and you know kind of found like what do people do to address desired discrepancy and -hmm. basically I can't remember all of it it was like everything from like nothing like act like it's not an issue and like communication was like the the top Mm -hmm. thing but communication looked different communication and doing things with your partner so the people who started like isolated retreated like is it is what it is what can I do about it they tended to report less um, relationship satisfaction and sexual mm-hmm. satisfaction. But couples, even if they weren't having sex, you know, at the frequency that they wanted to, like, it's not necessarily about equalizing the libido, but, you know, they would do stuff like take showers together or try different types of sex or, you know, read erotica or just have some kind of communication about the actual issue. Like, hey, I noticed that, you know, you be wanting to do it all the time and I don't, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> but literally, I mean, you would be surprised, like, expect, like couples therapy. And even when I'm just talking to one partner, it's like the stuff that people tell me, I'm like, yes, but like, have you like told your partner or is this something y'all have talked about? Right. He should know. She should know. Right. I mean, duh, like, we living in the same house. Like, how do you not know? And it's like, you know, sometimes you let's let's start with calling a thing a thing. <laughs> you know, it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't. My ex used to say that all the time. I hate it when he said it. I still think it's ridiculous, but sometimes it's good. Like right then, it was good. It is, it is what it's it is. It right is. <laughs> Don't yeah. say I know he ain't listening anyway, but it's like it is what it is, and ain't when they you have to call it a thing, right? But yeah. all of that to say it's not necessarily that y'all will get it, you know, you will get to this place and there's a compromise. You want it four times a month. I want it, you know, uh, one time a month. And so, you know, we, we, um, average it out and this is how many times we have sex a month. But just like I said, like thinking about different ways to have sex, mm-hmm. being open, flexible, and, and having these conversations, I think go a long Other way ways because- of, of expressing love, uh, affection and intimacy beyond just, you know, some form of penetration, just laying in the bed and cuddling and talking about your day when you know you want that person and that person wants you but you all don't want to you know physically Mm. engage in sex at that moment is also very beautiful so it's one of the things that um when I teach my class and and I talk to patients about I talk to women specifically about how to increase their desire in, in a couple situation. Ooh, One of the first things I tell them is to do intimate things that aren't sex. Yep. Very similar to what you guys have been saying, like do intimate things that help improve the bond between you, because often that will naturally improve desire as well. Yep. Because I think it's Esther Perel that said, um, foreplay and intimacy doesn't start with penetration it's everything you do in between yeah which makes a lot of sense because again like we've talked about many times for women specifically we often are contextual and we we have very specific things that we that turn us on and we often need to have those things in certain order um and so if you can do things that help promote that without necessarily having the pressure of sex then often sex will follow naturally um, and so you're right. You may never get to a point where you're, you know, your man wants to have sex four times a day and you want to have sex once a month. You're never going to get to a point where you want to have sex four times a day. Um, but you can improve intimacy in ways that will satisfy both of you. Yep. Um, 
So there, there is for those like Dr. J who are looking for. <laughs> I'm a fighter in 2022. Yes, yes, there it's it's somewhere. I'm going to make a point to check in every episode. Did you find it, Dr. J? I'm gonna unpack it soon. But you know, there there are things that you can do that don't include that don't have to do with medication at all. There are things you can do that can help improve your desire naturally without having, you know, ha- having to do a whole lot. But what, ha- what, what needs to happen is effort. Yeah. Having the discussion, having a conversation with your partner, being open and honest, calling a thing, a thing, mm-hmm. uh, and not just praying that it gets better without do without putting any effort into it. Okay. All righty. Well, I think this was a good conversation. I mean, uh, a healthy dialogue about libido. I learned a lot that, you know, basically it changes over time and that's common yep and normal and it's okay yeah yeah there are lots of things we can do to improve it we don't have to if we are bothered by it we don't have to just suck it up and have it lost forever dr j there you go (laughs) if you want it go find it go get it Well, we will leave y'all with that, you know, and uh, and we'll we'll be back next time with another great topic. So thank you for joining us on this episode of This This is Is Great.